You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. Hey, movie therapy listeners. It's me, Kristen, with another bonus episode just for you. What you're about to hear is an appearance I made on the podcast, Love to See It, talking all about season two of the trashy reality show, Too Hot to Handle. As you all know, I love some trash TV, especially when it centers around a nutty gimmick. And in this case, the gimmick really is nutty. It's about a group of sexy singles who meet up in paradise, and they're given the chance to win $100,000, but only if they remain celibate. Each time they break the rules, the jackpot gets smaller and the drama gets higher. The show is nutty. Anywho, Too Hot to Handle Season 3 is launching this month, so we figured it was the perfect time to put this into the world. We hope you enjoy it, and if you do, be sure to subscribe to Love to See It on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. And now, let's get this bonus episode underway. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon And I'm Emma Gray And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows, and we can't live without them. But we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to another bonus episode of Love to See It with Emma and Claire. We're back for part two of the sexiest, most prudish show on television. Too hot to handle, of course. Season two, part two, baby. Let's go. We are joined by Kristen Meinzer, host of Movie Therapy and by the book. Uh, thanks so much for joining us for this very important episode, Kristen. 
oh my gosh, thank you for having me here to talk about this very important show. And I know listeners at home cannot see this, but I did dress for the occasion. I am wearing a skimpy bikini right now. You think I'm kidding, listeners, but I am, <laughs> because that's just how important this is. She, I mean, she you're dedicated is. to the cause. And I appreciate that. Frankly, I feel bad that I did not show up for the occasion. Like, I didn't put my <laughs> lashes on. I didn't do my contouring. I mean, it's embarrassing, frankly. You know what Lana would say? You're not committed to the process. Mm-hmm. She's right. It's true. We, we've been shown <laughs> up. We're, we've been embarrassed. All I can do is try to speak while holding my entire face as perfectly still as possible for this entire <laughs> podcast. And I think that will take me one step closer to being like a woman of the villa. And that's all I can do at this point. I dropped the ball. Um, so we're talking today about episodes five through 10. A lot of content to cover. A lot of content. And mm-hmm. we're going to touch on the the after the show uh, fallout as well. There was a little reunion. We got updates on what's going on. Um, but first, I think we wanted to talk about <laughs> some general questions about, about the show and, and how it's going at this point in the season. One thing that I've I've been wanting to to talk about is the voiceover. We didn't get to this last episode. What do you guys th- like? This is one of those things that you know I almost thought might have been dropped for this season because it's so cheesy. But Desiree is back in force, providing little quips at every step of the show. What did you guys think of this? Like, does the show need a narrator? Well, I I do like that it's kind of a unifying force, and I wasn't sure if she was going to be back. I actually thought initially that our host of our fake reality show, because remember the show for season two, all the contestants were told, mm-hmm. oh, this is like a sexy beach party show, and they brought this guy on who was their fake host. I was kind of hoping he would narrate, because I actually thought that would have been hilarious if he still had to narrate the whole show. <laughs> uh, but that's fine. He didn't stick around. But um I I do wonder, though, how much of a trope it's becoming, because I feel like the sassy, funny, black lady comedian narrating the reality show about dating has just become so commonplace now. I see it everywhere. Uh, I don't know if you remember the HBO Christmas dating show. They had the same thing. So many of these shows have this now. Mm. And um, so now I'm just wondering if they feel like this is what we have to do. This is what all the shows do now. Yeah, I think we're all just so used to having a voice in our ear while we're watching these shows. It's like cutting out the the weight between watching the trashy show and then listening to the recap about it. It's like, we're just going to do that in-house for you. We're going to vertically integrate that. <laughs> You're getting the recap right now. No need to go like looking elsewhere. And she's fun. Like she's throwing out those jokes that are like kind of lowest common denominator, like nothing too like niche or or edgy just to make sure that everyone knows their jokes. They're like puns or little like sexual innuendos. And so it's not like elevated comedy, I wouldn't say. Like that's not the (laughs) format. I find it a little bit much, to be honest. Yeah. My my take on it is really that it helps the show to feel more like a story. And I personally like story shows better, scenario shows better, outlandish scenario shows ideally. 
Um, I'm not really into observational reality shows. I don't just want to watch the Kardashians shop. I don't want to watch the Real Housewives throw drinks at each other. So I think that having a voiceover (laughs) just reinforces the idea that this has a story. We're not just watching irritating people be irritating. They are trying to take us on a journey, an important journey. Yeah, even even if mostly it's just like little puns and stuff, it creates that sense of cohesion, like, yeah, one voice telling one story, like we're by the, the fire listening to Homer or <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> just like that. Exactly. The grand oral storytelling tradition. But it's true. I didn't bring it up in the first episode, I think, because, yeah, I had for like stopped noticing it compared to the first season of this show. And now it's just just part of it. Also, like, let's talk about, like, what's going on on the dynamics of the show in the second half of the season, right? Like, we talked in the the first recap about how no one seems to care at all about breaking the rules. Like, they're just like, yeah, people be mad at me, but what if I just made out with this person because I felt like it and we'll deal with that later. Second half of the season, they do, like, a hard pivot into being good citizens. Like, all of a sudden, by, like, episode seven, they're all like, we're really committed to the process. We love Lana, our new leader, and we want to make her proud by having monogamous relationships. Did you guys see this coming? <laughs> well, I feel like um, they had to sort of up the stakes in in some capacity. I mean, the the specter of the money, I think, becomes more real. And so that probably helps motivate people and also people start coupling off and sort of forming like n- those natural alliances. And they're like, well, I've found a partner in this. So now let's just get to the end. Let's just get to the end and and do this well. I also have to assume that they're getting some pep talks from production being like, guys, <laughs> listen to Lana. Just like a little You're bit. You're blowing it. There has well, to be a nice gonna... balance, for, you know, in order for us to get that narrative arc that we have to see some amount of change. So I think it does just kind of make natural sense to me that um, they would feel more investment in the process or in like the community that they're forming the deeper they kind of get into it. Honestly, I just wish they went further. I mean, they constantly talk about being committed to the process, especially during the second half of the show. I want to see more of that process. They're using the language of a cult. This may as well be Nexium or Amway. Go all the way with it. Make the exercises, the trust exercises, even more ridiculous. Make the things they have to do uh, more hands-on or more sexy or more porny or something. Something that gets them more riled up. But then you can't touch each other. You know, something that just pushes it even further. I think they could have gone further. And so I I wish it would have felt like they were a cult. I wish by the end we would have thought we need an intervention here. We need people to go in and rescue them. Uh, But yeah, they just didn't take it far enough for my taste. I want them to go all the way. There's just not like enough psychological trauma inflicted on these people in the course of the show is basically the problem. It's like they're they have too much agency at the end. They're not <laughs> They're being asked well to get a brand on their pelvis or yes. join any specific group sex acts. Like, it's, like, not really what we're looking for. Um, <laughs> the workshops are interesting because, like, the first half of the season, that's exactly what they do. They're like, you're all here to not have sex. Let's have sex, sort of. <laughs> sort of, but not too much. And then the second half of the, the season, the workshops are all like, sit in a circle and talk to your penis 
and or the last man who hurt you. And right on a necklace. Just right on a necklace. <laughs> and it's like, no. Right on a necklace. No. Things you want to let go of. Uh, Look, pessimism. They have a, that, that's hard. It's, a, it's hard to spell pessimism. They need a group activity <laughs> for this. <laughs> I do actually want a cult that forces people to confront the gaps in their knowledge of spelling. Of vocabulary, grammar. yeah. It's, you know, I think that that's its own kind of horror show. I, I thought that the workshops were surprisingly effective. I was like, how much are they paying these contestants to just be like, yes, talking to my penis has transformed <laughs> me from a playboy into a reliable family man. Maybe we're just we're just seeing people who are like so uh, desperate in their souls for therapy and like an excuse to talk about their emotions at all that this is just, like, opening up a brand new world for them. They're like, I've never been given permission to speak about my emotions in any capacity. So, like, even, like, the lamest express yourself to your penis or, like, tell one man one thing he did to you that made you angry is, like, life-changing. Yeah. There's a workshop where two of the women and two of the men have to talk about their communication styles, and basically all of them are like, I shut down. (laughs) I was like, really? Like, none of you is, like, reactive I think two, two of them were overreactive. Two of them were, like, mm. immediately reactive, and two of them were shut down. And the the two people, Carly and Chase, who had been having the communication issues were both people who shut down and just, like, walked Go away. Go figure. Yeah, which is literally what we saw from them. You know what I didn't see? But in the second half of the show, there were a lot of accusations flying around about how Carly is so insecure. She's constantly putting her insecurities on Chase, constantly. And they talk about it, and we never see it. I'm like, is she really? She wanted a hug, okay? What a needy bitch. Oh, so <laughs> insecure. insecure. She wants a hug. Oh, that's the worst. Dance so five clinger. I have to say, <laughs> a red flag, a major red flag for me similar to, like, all my ex-girlfriends are bitches, is, like, she really puts her insecurities onto onto guys. It's like, does she put them there, or do the guys elicit them? Right. Do they like, play into them? Do they have feed to on consider them? whether you are doing something that makes someone feel insecure, and then maybe think, perhaps that is a problem with my behavior, as uh, you know, it could be like there. There is never like an even exchange in that dynamic. It's always the man being like, "Wow, get less insecure," and never the man turning inward and being like, "Do I act in a way that makes right. my partner feel insecure?" That turning seems inward, bad, or perhaps turning downward to his to manhood. the penis. Yes, and saying, <laughs> "Manhood, have you led me to behave?" insensitively towards the woman that I should have been treating like my mother, the only good woman in the world. Um, you know, these are things the answer that they is explore yes. in these The workshops. answer is yes. It's all about the <laughs> penis. And I'm just going to be petty here for a second here. Sure. So Carly feels really insecure around Chase. And all I can think is, Carly, you're so much hotter than Chase. Chase <laughs> looks like a suburban dad. 
every time he's on screen, I'm like, why is he not in his minivan? Did somebody <laughs> steal his minivan? He's not a hot guy. I mean, I guess some people <laughs> like suburban dads in minivans, but I'm like, really? really? I feel like this Chase is is football player type of a sort. That's like, I feel like people are like, oh, he's so hot. And I almost feel like they're saying he really looks like a football player, which is like a high status. They were like, he's for really tall, and he he's can tall, throw he's me around. Got, he's, thick, he's got a he's lot of muscles. Muscle. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't feel that the guys were hot enough. You said this in the last episode. Yeah. I'm just going to oh, no. echo what you said last time. Look, the guys we stand by. We stand by uh, what yeah. we said in the last yeah. episode. Well, like, where are the Henry Goldings? Where are the Harry Styles? Where are the reggae jeans from Bridgerton? Not no trying to on come on too hot to handle Maybe Marvin. Kristen. <laughs> if you're even a slightly hot guy, you are a movie star. Like, that's just the world we live in. Like, there are no slightly hot guys left for reality shows. Like... The really hot girls of reality shows, unfortunately, are just stuck with the chases. Um, So it does seem, though, like the rules are starting to work as the season goes on. Am I crazy? Like, they're starting to couple off. They're starting to resist their urges. They're breaking rules less frequently, slightly, slightly less frequently. And... It started to make me think, like, maybe this actually is a really good way to teach people about relationships. Maybe like, Lana was right all along. Lana was right. <laughs> I'm I'm signing up. Do you really want these people together? I mean, come <laughs> on. Like, I, I was so glad when Tabitha got there and Tabitha's like, fuck this. I really am here to just shake shit up and to have a good time. And I don't care about the money. And so I was so glad that Tabitha came in and just was like, I have no regard oh, we for need, the process. Oh, we needed a Tabitha for sure. But I yes. think that there are different incentives at play for people who come in later, and that's partly what we're seeing. Because what you, the reason the rules work is that the people who are there early on know that they, they have bonds with all the people in the house. So if they break a rule, a lot of their good friends are going to be mad at them. And they're getting closer and closer. So increasingly, they're like, I don't want these people to be mad at me. They're my buddies. Um, They also, you're more likely to have kind of developed a thing with someone at some point. And then if you cheat on that person in the house, everyone's going to be super mad at you and not just a little mad at you. Plus, the longer you're there, the more likely it seems like you might win the show. I don't think Tabitha's under any impression that she could ever win the show. She just hasn't been there long enough, and there's not going to be enough for them to go on. But, like, Cam could win the show. You know, mm. Melinda could win the show. Yeah, so they're I agree. All, like, I think it's it's a totally different— It's a totally different situation when you come in halfway through. Also, casting is sending those people in— with the explicit goal of shaking shit up. And it's not like Tabitha and Elle aren't aware of that. Like, everyone kind of knows the role that they're in and the role that they're playing. So I I think that's... And And I'm just saying, I like that role. (laughs) That's the role Kristen's going to (laughs) play. Yes, that's totally what I'm going to do. Please bring me in episode seven, and I will just... I'm going to sleep with everybody and not just side by side. Also, like, in the shower or wherever else they sleep together. All the places. Anywhere. Is that actually, that's why you're wearing your bathing suit, right? You're going in now. It's really late. Um, Some might say the retreat has ended and they've all gone home. But (laughs) who knows? Maybe some stragglers are still there. You can still cause some shit. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I just think, to go back to what you all were saying, though, about 
the process was really working during the second half of the show. And that's boring. I want mm. I want the mess. I want the mess. It's, I don't think I need, you know, everything to seem like it's perfect and healthy. I want the process, uh, the retreat. I want the commitment, all of that stuff to be completely, completely suspect. And I want everybody to <laughs> behave terribly. Well, it's yeah. it's the bachelor arc, right? You start with a bunch of drama and then by the end of the season, it's like, now this is a love story. But it's actually very <laughs> sort of disturbing with Too Hot to Handle because you see you're celebrating the romantic love story of, say, Cam and Emily and how they're committing to each other like 30 seconds after you saw Cam really struggle not to get into a shower with another girl. <laughs> And there's only five women there. What's going to happen when you're back <laughs> in like a city again or an apartment complex Right, when, I, when there are more than five women? Yeah. I think the show likes to operate in uh, under like the false impression that once you say someone's your girlfriend, like that's it. Like if you had any sort of uh, temptation towards non-monogamy or towards cheating like that is done because you made the commitment and all it takes is like saying you're making the commitment one time. Yeah. <laughs> then you get the happy background music. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought up the music. <laughs> I was writing down the lyrics. My husband and I were singing along with them. Oh my God. We kept the subtitles on the whole time because the lyrics are so good. So we already talked about the narrator of the show where she's putting a finer point on every joke and pointing out things that we already saw. But the music is doing that in very bold, bold ways as well. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like when Cam was like, oh, no, am I going to get in the shower with Tabitha? Then a song came on where the lyrics were literally, I'm burning and I'm about to explode. <laughs> and yeah. then there was a certain point where, oh, no, is Melinda going to sleep with Marvin in the suite? And then a song came on put your money where your mouth is. I mean, there was like, yeah. the lyrics are so good. I really I remember one music. that was so like good. running on lust, calling it love. And I was like, oh, wow, that's subtle. Thank you. Yeah. I think I see what's going on here. Is yeah. it lust or is it love? That's <laughs> it's really the big question when you think about it. Um, yeah, hats off to the music director <laughs> on the show. It really helped me to understand it better. They really Thank dug you. up some some deep, thematically appropriate cuts. And, you know, we've touched on some of these specific uh, plot points in these these final episodes. But but why don't we dig in uh, with some of the some of the specific blow by blow? We're not going to go blow by blow through all six episodes because it would take three days. But let's get a sense of where we are when these episodes recommence. So Lana has just announced at the end of, of the last batch of episodes that she's streamlining the group and. So what she does is she cuts Kayla and Peter, if you remember them. They Hardly. were not involved in a relationship <laughs> with each other or really with anyone else. So then we're left with these, these sort of couples. We have Nathan and Larissa, Melinda and Marvin, Carly and Chase, Emily and Cam. And they're all being guided into these monogamous situations by the inexorable hand of Lana and the show's logic. And... That soon starts to uh, open up some new cracks in their relationships. But also Lana is like, let's incentivize you to do better. If you're really emotionally connecting, then this watch I'm giving you will turn green for a short period of time and you can make out. So, like, don't say I never did anything for you guys. 
And, you know, people are still breaking rules at this point. I think at at a certain point in episode six, they only have to not break the rules for 24 hours to win back a bunch of prize money. And they still can't do it. They cannot. But more peer pressure is building. Like, initially it was sort of like, break a rule, whatever, man. Spend money. Good on you. And now it's starting to be like, $30,000 sounds like a lot less money than $100,000. I'm starting to get a little nervous. Um, so let's talk about a couple, a few of the couples. Should we start with Cam and Emily? Yeah. Uh, the golden couple, yes. So at the beginning of, of this half of the season, they're on the rock still because he sort of almost cheated on her with Christina um, and thus initiated a beautiful friendship between Christina and Emily and ruined his relationship with both of the girls. Um, But I will say the fact that there are now no other options in the villa for Cam is really good for his emotional maturity because he's got to be like, I fucked up. She's every right to be mad at me. And until I fix this with Emily no girl is going to want to give me a handy. I'm like, mm, I don't like that. That's a problem. He, as we know, he loves a good handy. He do, like, Who doesn't? From right? himself or others. Well, yeah, no, he's equal opportunity in that way, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does finally kind of have a conversation with Emily where he's like, look, I fucked up and I usually act without thinking about any consequences. And... He's like, I just wanted to mug you off before you mugged me off. And she's like, I don't want to be mugged off. And this is apparently some really important British slang that um, I just <laughs> learned from Too Hot to Handle. So and they use it. That was really. They use it nonstop. This is, I think, I remember when Love Island gave us like Giza, you know? Yes. <laughs> I think that that mugging you off is really having a moment in this this series of Too Hot to Handle. Um, like, by the end, they're all just like, you've got the Americans being like, yeah, that was really muggy behavior by her and him. <laughs> also, frankly, they're both being extremely muggy. And, I like the uh, way the show is building international bridges. I know, the it cultural really exchange. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, but this is not, like, the end of Cam's arc. He's He's trying... But the more that Emily is like, we're married now, like, we're I'm your wifey for lifey, <laughs> the more Cam has a look in his eyes. Like, you know, he's, he's starting to run. panic. He's starting to panic a little well, bit. This sort of. Wouldn't you too? You've known this person for seven days. <laughs> and they're like, wifey. Yeah. Well, like, that would scare the hell out of me. I've known you for. A week. Listen, we're all different. Uh, you know, <laughs> would I be the person saying wifey for lifey in that scenario? Probably. Uh, <laughs> do I understand that other people find that upsetting? No, I don't understand it. What's wrong with that? I'm just trying to give you my love. In a giant tub, I'm comparing you to a chocolate hobnob. Like, have a little respect for everything I'm giving you emotionally, you know? Um <laughs> Cam is uh, trying to hide his understandable, but, uh, you know, he knows it will hurt Emily if he shows that he's feeling doubtful about whether he is actually wifed up for life. (laughs) Um, And eventually he actually sits down with her and is like, I'm having doubts, FYI. And maybe we should just break up. And Emily is basically like, no, I don't. She handles it really well, though, I thought. Like, she does an interesting thing where she's extremely calm. 
She sort of receives his doubts. She kind of asks him to to sit with them and to think about it. And then just sort of like keeps moving forward while trying to give him space. And it ultimately works, which I thought was really interesting. I was like, I have never been able to pull this off. Anytime in my youth when a <laughs> man has been been like, I'm having some doubts, like I would probably immediately start sobbing and then he would be like, yeah, we're definitely breaking up. <laughs> yeah. You just need to go to a re- retreat with only four other women there. <laughs> That's all you need to do. Yeah, <laughs> I could have learned so much. Um, but Emily is is really committed to Cam. And she's like, I never do this. All I do is have meaningless flings. I've chosen this guy. I'm not going to let him, like, slip through my fingers now. And Cam sort of gives up the attempt to break up with her at this point and is like, <laughs> all right, I'll just take that space. We'll see how it goes. And uh, And then he has this encounter with newcomer Tabitha where she flirts with him really hard when they're alone in the bathroom and invites him into the shower. And he just kind of like hangs out near the shower for like 20 minutes being like, and like biting his <laughs> fist. He's like, if I get close enough, can I, can I clear the frosted part of the shower and like not enter, but essentially like spiritually be there? Like he, he's really yeah. struggling. And eventually he's just like, no, no, n- uh, I gotta go. I gotta go. I'm um, I'm going, and he leaves. So in this moment, Kristen, you are like, I hope Cam goes in and just like really gives it to her in the shower. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like, come on, Cam. We all know that you are freaking out because your girlfriend of one week is seeing herself as your wife now, and you don't really want to be someone's wife yet, Cam. We all know you don't want to be her wife yet. But doesn't that make, in fact, this the most interesting narrative turn of all? (laughs) That he is subverting our expectations by choosing (laughs) the monogamous route. I mean, you really have to applaud that kind of twist. It's nonstop thrills. Well, I'm not saying Cam's not a hero for many. I'm sure he is. He definitely is. But Not your hero. No, Tabitha. I just want to say again, Tabitha's my hero. And, I mean, I know you're going to get into this couple shortly, but Melinda is also my hero. Yes, let's talk about uh, them now, yes. actually. Marvin they and were our ne- next on our list. I fucking love Melinda. I love her. Oh, <laughs> Melinda is such a hero. She's the real star of the show to me. I love her. N- not only is she so good on camera, whether she's around other people or just like the standalone where she's just talking to the camera, everything she says is so funny and so clever and so smart. And she's just pure electricity and her face moves, unlike the other faces. You know how most of the women's faces are like so like full of filler. They don't move. Melinda's face moves. It's so expressive. She's so beautiful. She's not afraid to show some of her mess, but she also is not afraid to share the love. And we all deserve that love from Melinda, don't we? No, not everybody does. Not everybody. makes the show so good. (laughs) Yes. Does Marvin? That's the big question. It's true. I I love Em, but Emily's face is completely immobile. And it says (laughs) Carly Carly and Melinda have a little bit more of a bunch of stuff on. It's as if Emma's trying to, like, balance a bunch of stuff on her facial skin, and if she moves any of it, it'll fall off. Like, it <laughs> feels so tense at all times when she's talking. But Melinda is very expressive, and 
She, her thing, uh, she says in one of the workshops is like, oh, I came from a family with lots of love. And I just, if I like a guy, I just want to give him a ton of love, which I want to say initially all their narratives were like, I'm a slut on the prowl. I just want to have sex with whoever. And then like after three weeks, like half the women are like, anyway, guys always hurt me, but I do want love that is permanent and immediate, yes. maybe. Immediate. I found that turn mm-hmm. to be so fascinating. And I think yeah. like we mentioned this a little bit during our first episode, but there was this sort of like evenness along gender lines in terms of like attitudes towards relationship and sex at the jump. And then very quickly, we see this turn where a handful of the women are kind of like, yeah, actually, I do want a relationship and I approach the way sex the way that I do. Like, yes, because I enjoy sex and like I have no shame around that, but also because it's a protective mechanism. And actually, like men have treated me really poorly and, you know, abandoned me or yeah. slept with my best friend or like did other Whereas the the men's workshop is literally all the guys being like, I've used my penis as a weapon to stab women in the heart. And upon reflection, <laughs> it's like I've gone on a campaign against women. Maybe I shouldn't. Like, Jesus. But this goes back to what you were saying in the last episode about this also, in, in addition to being the hottest reality show, it's also the most puritanical because it just goes back to certain kind of gender roles that we're always told. Women really just deep down want love. And if they're slutty, it's just because they're covering up something. And uh, no, I I really would have loved it if they were like Tabitha. It's like, no, I just love fucking around. I love trouble. I love sex. And I don't need to have some sort of emotional damage that makes me do it. I just enjoy it. And I think that that would have been great. But uh, you know, it is, as you said, very puritanical. Is the, I think that you're right. I think that like the overarching messaging is very puritanical. And I also think the reality of human experiences is thus that like there are women who use sex as a tool to cover up hurt or to self-soothe. And there are women who have a lot of sex because they really like having sex and it's awesome. And like there is no inherent value along gender lines of sex. It's just that people, you know, behave and respond to trauma in a variety of ways, regardless of gender identity. They're responding to their their cultural context. And, right. And, and their the socialization. They're in. And what they're in right now is a setting where they're being told that they have to be monogamous and celibate. And that's a cue that I think women have been trained since birth to respond to by being the person who takes on the burden of creating and maintaining that kind of relationship. Yeah, While the men really can sit back and be like, I'm going to see if one of these women can tame me and I'll try not to like actively cheat on her. But like the rest of that work is not my responsibility. I'm a, I'm a man. Boys will be boys. That's all I can do to keep this dick in my pants, you know? And so I think that we see them responding to these boundaries by responding the way that they know they're expected to as, as a gender. And it's interesting you say that because I feel like we really see that dynamic from both Marvin and Chase, who have coupled up pretty early and, like, pretty aggressively at the beginning pursued Melinda and Carly. And then we see them sort of like bristling at the expectations they feel have been put on them once they have sort of Mm. like gotten into these relationships. And then that creates a a tension between them and their female partners. Although I didn't necessarily see it as coupling up off the bat. I saw it as 
all the men said very vocally who were the hottest women there, and they went in to get them. And that happened in season one also. Uh, season one, they also commiserated over who's the hottest one. Everyone agreed it was Francesca, and they all made a beeline for her immediately mm-hmm. in season one. And they did exactly the same thing in season two. Who are the two hottest women here? They all said over and over and over again it was Emily and Melinda, and they made a beeline for those women. So is that about coupling up, or is that— you know, something else. Well, that's the thing. They're doing, like, kind of this sexual, like, sortative mating thing, right? Like, they're like, who's the biggest, hottest, highest status dude? Can, like, if he's going for Emily or Melinda, then, like, maybe I'd better pivot to someone else. And I, at the same time, like, there is some taste variation. Like, I think that Carly was very much to Nathan and Chase's taste, but not maybe to, like, Cam and Marvin. And so you see, like, there there's some spreading because of that. But they're definitely going for the person that they're just like, this is the hot chick I would go up to in the bar. And then this they're is the like... the highest value trophy. And then the they're beach. like, I yes, guess we'll exactly. try to... We'll try to make a relationship work with this person. But at the same time, they become possessive immediately. Like, Marvin is like, Melinda's the hottest. I'm going to go for Melinda. Oh, Melinda kissed someone else. Now Melinda is a monster. Melinda's a bad person. So Chase and Marvin are immediately, like, punishing these women that they just picked because they were the, the highest status women. And and that's what's so infuriating. And then they're it's like, like they you should belong to me now. They both express a possessiveness over these women and at the same time act in ways where they almost position themselves as, like, the victim of these women's oh, desires yes. and insecurities. Oh, absolutely mm-hmm. do. So it's like, I want you to belong yeah. to me, but I don't want you to demand anything of me. And don't like, speak to me. Yeah. Don't look at me. Don't touch me in anything other than a purely sexual way because then I will feel suffocated and controlled and you better not be talking to any other guys while I'm over here in the other room ignoring you for three days. We're going to take a quick break. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey gang, it's Josh Olson. And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites, and they don't talk so much about their own work but about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call it the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alison Anders, Elijah Wood, Stephen Canals, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily Deschanel, Joe Biafra, Larry Fessenden, Nicole Hawson, Shaka King, Lee Daniels, Roslyn Chow, Clancy Brown, Jarvie Smith, Ike Arnold, Steve Arquette, Thomas Mildred, and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality. 
Plus, tons of extra themed content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. So Marvin and Melinda are are really struggling with, with this exact problem, which is that he wanted to have sex with her, and he doesn't want her to have sex with anyone else. And yet he also doesn't want to, like, talk to her or show her any kindness. And it's a real catch-22. It's like, oh, what do you do? Um, and ultimately, what happens is that Melinda just gets in bed with Marvin one night and has sex with him. And then they're in a they're just like together after that they're like lovey-dovey um i think i think mostly because the house was so mad at them that they like trauma bonded over being outcasts <laughs> and they're like we have to prove to them that we deserve to spend 20k on sex by being in love that's such a good point uh, i also found it really interesting <laughs> and and telling that like Essentially, all of the couples that succeeded and uh, broke the rules early on. And so it's like, well, maybe there is some nice mix of, you know, emotional and physical connection that can create um, a bond that might lead to a relationship. Like, hey, Lana, maybe the people need both. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe sex is not purely a tool to distance you from romantic (laughs) connection. Marvin eventually opens up to Melinda after the penis workshop about how his father left his family. And so he watched his mother really struggle and he has trust issues. But he's like, why wouldn't I treat you as well as I treat my mom? I should be doing that. And um, then they they eventually end up winning back 25K by spending the night in the suite without breaking rules. And at this point, I was like, Eminem, like, I'm on board this ship. I don't know what I was thinking, except that <laughs> I do think Marvin is like the only hot guy in the house, and it it does give oh, me a little just bit of blinders. Both very beautiful, and I'm they're like so such beautiful. a sucker for just hot people <laughs> being in love. I'm like, I don't care if this has no chance of lasting. She lives in Brooklyn, he lives in Paris, but like, please, just they're both so pretty. <laughs> they are hands down the best looking people there, the best looking couple. They, I mean. Yeah, they're problematic AF. They're terrible. Like, um, well, not Melinda. Melinda's not terrible. I I think Marvin is trouble. <laughs> I would not set him up with any of my friends, but no? damn, no. he's good looking. <laughs> Look at him. He's so, oh my so God. beautiful. He's a, Look, he's no, beautiful. No, I would set and him up maybe blinding. with somebody who just wants a one-night stand. Do I want to set him up with somebody who might want more than a one-night stand? No, but... Would I have a one night stand with Marvin? Mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, definitely. I mean, what, none of us here are heroes, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> that would be the thing, really. If you put a bunch of people like us in a house with like really hot models, and and then there was this rule, it's like, oh, you can't have sex this whole time, and it's like, well, this is our chance, buddy. Like, this is my one chance to have sex with someone as hot as Marvin. Like, that's, I'm just, you know, it's, these people are all going to go out and have sex with as many hot people as they want, you know. But they're right now stuck in a house with only us. <laughs> what about our will? This is our, our willpower. I think that would be much yes. more interesting. Let's talk about Larissa and Nathan. Ooh. Larissa, the New Zealand lawyer who never breaks a rule, and Nathan, the British cowboy stripper who also never breaks rule because he's coupled up with Larissa, who is 
never, ever going to break a rule, at least for him. And as we predicted (laughs) during our last recap, uh, they're just like not actually that into each other, which is sort of how this relationship ends up ending. They spend a night together in the suite. They don't break any rules. Larissa doesn't seem particularly tempted to break any rules. And I think Nathan is like, what, what am I doing here? I think he was into her. I I mean, she clearly wasn't into him, but I think he was kind of into her. I think if she had been enthusiastic about him, he would have been on board. But I think that he was like, I'm spending a lot of time with someone who doesn't seem that into me. And yeah, and he was initially going after Carly. And also the fact that they never broke rules. I do think that the people who broke rules early on, it gives you that little extra bond in your relationship and, and they just have never even kissed. So like, I don't, I'm sorry, Lana, it doesn't work. So eventually they, they have a little talk. Nathan decides it's not working out and Larissa leaves. And uh, per the reunion show, Larissa seems to be thriving. She like has a new boyfriend Yeah, she was really the only person on the show that I think we had kind of a lot of, uh, or a few of at least on the first season, which is like the accountants, like the people who are just Mm -hmm. like, we don't want to lose money. It's not worth it. Like any kind of handy you get or crab grab or, you know, kiss is not going to be worth the money. So like, are you... Are you hooking up over there? Like, please don't. She's really the only person who who takes that role. And she eventually ends up just sort of exiting stage Well, left. Chase is very happy to be the accountant uh, when other people are spending the money. Specifically but, Carly with yeah, other but, people. But if he wants to spend the money, then it's fine. Um, let's talk about Robert and Christina. They... Uh, are just like so they there are two newcomers who come in uh, as as the first sort of temptations cam almost cheats on emily with christina cheats uh robert goes for carly um but neither of those things pan out and then they just immediately become physically obsessed with each other they're constantly just like all i think about is ripping your clothes off <laughs> me too like that's like every conversation between them what little clothes there are <laughs> I'm dying to rip off that one millimeter of fabric that's covering I mean, look, they know that there's a treat underneath that millimeter of fabric, and they're prepared. <laughs> a small but perfect treat. Um, their first hookup, I just found incredibly heteronormative. I just was like, this is too oh, much. Yes. She's literally just like biting her lip and flipping her hair and running her hand up his leg. And she's like, do you want to break some rules, big boy <laughs> kind of thing? And finally, he's just like, I couldn't help myself. And and they make out. <sighs> yeah, he's like money. the doofy man who's so it's nice, just like, but it's just he has a penis. I can't help it. I can't help it. Such a parody of the temptress and the, and the hapless male victim of her wild. And Robert does just seem like not someone who would be her type. He's so goofy. He's so, like, his hair seems like it's bottle blonde. But she's got this animal attraction to him. And she ends up giving him a 20-second hand job. It costs them f- all $5,000. And then they get sent home in a surprise, sudden elimination because they've shown no interest in following the rules or growing. And yet, they are still together and in love. So yeah. I don't know. What do you know? (laughs) I was like, what, like, what sort of uh, criteria are being used for these eliminations? I was like, the two of them are like in a relationship, quote unquote, on the show. Like, 
Isn't that what you want, Lana? Yeah, it made no sense to me at all because, you know, Larissa and Nathan should have been kicked off because Christina and Robert, what they did was no different than what, you know, Melinda and Marvin did or any of the other couples did. They didn't do anything any different. No, there's no, there's not really a lot of sense in who gets kicked off. They're just like, eh, we need to shake things up. Like, Lana, tell two of these jokers to get out of here. Frankly, they were (laughs) probably done a favor because they got to just like, leave together and then continue dating. Apparently, yeah. Um, Robert, like, flew right to South Africa after yeah, the show. Yeah, they're all like, no, don't send us homes where we can have a sexcation in South Africa. For 20 seconds at a time. It's <laughs> all it takes when, you, when you've got a hand as, as good as Christina's. Let's talk about Chase and Carly uh, directly. We've, we've mentioned them a number of times. They just basically completely implode early on in this second half of the season. Chase is not being affectionate with Carly. At one point, we see her, like, physically wrapping his arms around her, and he, like, rolls his eyes at the camera. Um, Like, that's kind of the level of intimacy that they're sharing. Um, At one point, they're even, like, trying to have a conversation that will convince Lana that they deserve a green light. So they're, like, saying things to each other that seem emotionally connected. And he says to her, like, you're the girl in the villa that I would most want to wake up to every morning. And I was like, Chase, there are only four other women there. (laughs) He's like, by process of elimination, I will tolerate you. Lana, give me the green light. That was very emotional. Yeah, and his compliments, like, try harder. One of his compliments was, you're not just beautiful on the outside. You're also beautiful on the inside. And it's like, what? He's been Do saving better. that Come one, on. Kristen, okay? He was like, I had that in Come my back on. pocket for a rainy day. Um, but it's not working for Carly. She's getting frustrated. They try to chat about it in an infinity pool. And she's like, you're never affectionate with me. You make me feel ugly. And he's like, all right, well, I don't think this is working out. So I'm going to go. Uh, <laughs> let's not do this anymore. Um, I'm going to go solo. And so it's a very abrupt breakup, although clearly had to happen. Yeah, it was the right thing, but it was like, it was very abrupt. Like she was like, let's talk about this thing that's really frustrating to me. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go solo. Bye. And he leaves the pool. And she's just like, oh, oh. And then he walks right over to Tabitha. Well, yeah, soon after this, three newcomers come like raging in on jet skis Elle and Tabitha come in together, and then we have Doofy Joey, who's very smiley, come in on his own jet ski. And Tabitha, as as you've discussed, Kristen, is just like there to fuck around. And it's it is yeah. it is necessary energy injected into the show. There is a funny moment where uh the group all sits down right away on the beach to greet the newcomers. And sort of starts asking the guys who are nominally unattached what they think about the two women. And Marvin's like, oh, they're both really hot, obviously. Like, mm, hey, girls. And Chase is like, well, I'm actually emotionally unavailable right now <laughs> because of the breakup with Carly. And <laughs> Carly is like, that's really wonderful. Thank you. That's so mature. Everyone's like, snaps for Chase. Great job. Chase is like, man, I blew it. Like, I shouldn't have said that. But in fact, I think this was the best thing he could have said in front of Tabitha if he wanted to get Tabitha because Tabitha is very much looking for someone who's emotionally unavailable but physically available. And in that way, Chase is her perfect man. 
and she is not deterred at all. They they very quickly pair off. Uh, Elle and Marvin try to explore things, but they just don't feel a vibe with each other at all. And this is when Marvin is like, I guess I'd better make things work with Melinda. <laughs> <laughs> Poor me. I got to make things work with the hot model. <laughs> yeah, it's like, turns out the hot models are not totally interchangeable as humans. Ugh. <laughs> That's the real lesson of this show. These like hot men are like, oh, women are people. Yeah, they have personalities, Ah. they have vibes, they have feelings, all the things that people have. Women have them too. So weird. There's one scene where Nathan and Cam are talking about Emily and like how Cam maybe shouldn't keep hooking up with other girls. And Nathan's like, maybe we should try to like, I don't know, maybe we see a hot girl, we could just like be friends with her instead of having sex with her. And Cam is like, yeah, no, totally. Sounds really weird. But, like, yeah, we can <laughs> try that. Guess that is possible. So Chase and Tabitha very quickly get together. And that means that they, like, share a bed. And Carly is, like, three feet away. And then whenever they all wake up in the morning, everyone's, like, sitting up in bed. Hey, Chase, you look super happy, man. Love that for you. Love this look on you. Like, you've always been super miserable before when you were with that other girl, the one who's sitting next <sighs> to me. I really felt for Carly during this period of time. I was like, this is extremely rough. She has to literally watch this. She even, she says to Emily at one point, she's like, I don't have any space from it. Like, I cannot catch a break here. Um, she is, like, physically in the same space as this thing that just ended that, like, And her complaint was, he's not physically affectionate towards me. He doesn't make me feel beautiful. And then, like, he is immediately extremely effusive about Tabitha and extremely, like, physically affectionate towards her. And Carly is just left to, like, scowl from the bed, like, two over. And Carly, meanwhile, begins to kind of explore a relationship with Joey, the new guy, who I think of as being sort of like a doggy type dude. Like he's like just good natured, goofy. His mouth is always kind of hanging open. He's got like fluffy golden curly hair. He's like a golden retriever. He is. He's a golden doodle, really. (laughs) Yeah. He seems like he has no baggage. He's just there to to be jolly. Yeah. Yeah, He just has like a really light energy. He's just sort of like, yeah, I like Carly. And like it doesn't feel complicated or loaded. Uh, and that's kind of exactly what Carly seems seems to need. So she's sort of like, okay, I'm going to pick myself back up after Chase and I'm going to like go for it with Joey. And they're in bed together and they end up kissing. And of course, when everyone finds out, Chase is livid. He goes so hard at Carly over this, which I, it was really shitty. Yeah, it was like Marvin 2.0 when Melinda did a, you know, very funny, casual three-way kiss with, you know, uh, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his with name. Peter. From early on Peter. With Peter. With Peter from very early on. It's like, my God, we get it. You peed on her. You don't want anyone <laughs> else to pee on her. God. Yeah, it's like you peed new- on her, you walked away, you found someone else to pee on. But like... You would appreciate if she still would, yeah, stay loyal to you, her actual owner. He basically says, Carly, you made a very selfish decision. Joey, man, you just got here. And the thing about Joey is that he's a good-natured dude, but he's not one to take your guff, you know? He's not just gonna eat those lectures. So Joey's like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I did. I do it again. 
And it actually made Carly smile for the first time since I've met her. Yes. And I uh, am happy about that. I feel good about that. And Carly's panties just, like, vanish. She's like, (laughs) I... Later, Cam refers to something as an emotional semi that he gets from something Emily says to him. And that is what Carly's experiencing, I think, in this moment. She's like, a man stood up for us and didn't just glower in the corner. The bar is so low. (laughs) Especially because I think Joey is mainly defending himself. And like, that's enough. Like, Carly's like, I'm in, I'm in the protection bubble. Works for me. And of course, then Chase is like, well, if those unworthy people can go spend money willy nilly, I can too. And so, of course, he hooks up with Tabitha that night and spends much more than $3,000. Yeah, so so all of these relationships are going through these these beautiful arcs towards everlasting love as as we've explored and through their own their own circuitous routes. And I think we should talk about what happens with each of these couples at the end of the show and also uh the selection of the winner which was done in an unusual way. Ultimately Tabitha and Chase do break up. Um, they all get kind of like a final chance couple date. Tabitha and Chase sit down and Chase is like, your eyes look like emeralds and I want to be with you forever. And Tabitha's like, nah. Yes. It's so amazing. <laughs> she's like, I mean, it's not that serious. She's wonderful. She's like, it's not as serious as we think. And he's like, oh, oh. Oh, it was a beautiful moment. I was like, Tabitha, just give her all the medals. It's hilarious because earlier Carly kind of tries to warn Tabitha after, you know, they have a workshop to deal with the fallout from Carly and Chase's breakup. And Carly's like, you know, I just want you to know that this is how he is. And Tabitha's like, he's a player. I'm a player. I can work with that. That's fine. She clearly is not prepared for Chase to be like, I'm a competitor. I'll work through anything to make our love story work across the ocean, across the miles. I'll do it. And Tabitha's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is not what I thought That's I was. That's not why I'm here. She's like, you said you no. were emotionally unavailable. Unavailable, right? You said yeah. unavailable. Un, un. I didn't miss that part. So then Marvin and Mel and Cam and Emily sort of have like a beautiful romantic final date in which they, the men push through their emotional walls and ask the women to be their girlfriends. And... The women are like, it's so funny. The men are both like, I'm so nervous. I'm like shitting myself right now. I want to die. I have to ask this woman who has basically told me that I'm the only man they've ever, that she's ever loved. And she's totally committed to me. I have to ask her if she'll date me exclusively. (laughs) Holy shit. I can't, I don't think I can do it. And I was like, dudes, they've already completely put themselves out there for you. Like, they're, like, serving themselves up, like, ask me to be your girlfriend. This is, like, the reality behind when men are always, like, men have to do all the putting themselves out there and dating. It's so hard. And it's like, no, you just get women to be, like, I'll commit to you if you ask. And then you just have to be, like, all right, like, let's do it. That's, like, it. And they're, like, acting like they're heroes. I'm cool about it. (laughs) But they do all, they do both end up in relationships, um, both these couples. And Carly and Joey, meanwhile, have a nice little 
date over a bar. Carly mixes some drinks and they connect a little bit and they get a green light. They're able to make out. That's like their big romantic breakthrough. Yeah, I think, you know, it. I that felt right to me that like Joey came in so late. I'm glad they didn't try to like force them to be like, we are in a serious committed relationship now. Because we were like, we all know it's been like two days. So uh, the, the relationships are all going really smoothly. Uh, Nathan and Elle are also still here, but they've decided to just be friends. Um, although they do have a, a date while Larissa is still there, which is partly what hastens the breakup between Larissa and Nathan, that she realizes that he's still really open to another girl's interest. But then after Larissa leaves, he's like, all right, Elle, like, let's be buddies. And she's like, cool. But they're still there at the finale, and Lana drops the bomb. Only one person is going to get all of the prize money. At this point, I think there's like 55K. Thank goodness that's Lana's decision, because if each of them were getting 5000 ahead, at this point, it's just like, let's all take our pants off. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like, it's like after taxes, like that's really nothing. Yeah, it's really not very much money. Some of these Instagram models, at least in season one, made clear they make bank off of their Instagram lives. $5,000 to them is nothing. I mean, it's nothing. Even if they hadn't lost any money, it would be $10,000, which, you know, subtract tax, yada, yada. That's like one sponsored post on their Instagram. Would they not Mm want to just spend all of that to have as much sex as they want in Turks and Caicos with these hot people? I don't know. It's it's just the power of persuasion. The final three are selected by Lana, uh, and it's Carly, Marvin, and Cam. Was anyone surprised by these choices? Okay, I was not surprised, but I took issue. Like, Im- actually, immediately when Lana was like, only one person's getting the money, my first thought was, there's no chance in hell a woman wins this. I was like, they are going to pick a dude because built into this whole show seems to be the messaging that, as we've discussed, like, fundamentally, men are the ones who need this growth the most. Men are also rewarded for that growth the most. Even if it's like, I successfully did not get in the shower with a hot woman when she asked me to. Like, give me $55,000 because I'm a fucking hero. Um, And that sort of gendered slant is is also transferred to the perceptions of the participants because ultimately it's the rest of the cast that gets to to vote for the winner and no one votes for Carly you know the men's work was nodding along and saying you're right i didn't think about your feelings the women's work was actually broaching the challenging conversations and sitting patiently by while the men processed their selfishness and being in limbo all the time. The women had to be in limbo so much while the guys were like, I'm going to, quote, process my feelings, but actually I'm going to watch this other woman take a shower. (laughs) Like, what? Yeah. And of course, I think Carly is sort of set up for failure because she's not in a really committed relationship. And it's clear that that's supposed to be kind of the end point of all this growth that they're doing is to be in a serious monogamous relationship. And she is not in that position. So it's almost like they're like, in case you're thinking of choosing a woman, we've given you a woman who clearly doesn't meet the kind of criteria that you probably are going to use. 
But it's like once you're in a relationship, a man speaks for that relationship. A man gets the the laurels of that relationship. A man gets the glory of it. The woman's prize is that the relationship exists. And isn't that what she really mm. wanted all along, you know? Right, like, it's like the man she gets has the man, He gets the dowry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so ultimately, no one indeed votes for Carly, including Joey. And Marvin wins the prize. Out of Cam and Marvin, I wanted Marvin to win. Um, But I do want to talk about the post-show updates that we've gotten. Uh, There there were a few Instagram video updates and like a little reunion show that they posted on Instagram hosted by Chloe, who is just like really killing it in the Netflix world. But she sort of like got on Zoom with each couple or like love triangle or quadrangle from the show and caught (laughs) up with them first i think she checks in with marvin and melinda and we find out that marvin and mel are broken up because they started getting in like petty fights and marvin just canceled his flight to tulum when they were supposed to meet up and just like essentially ghosted her for a few months after Marvin. the worst. Marvin, you won that money. You're supposed to, like, take Mel on vacation at least. Now they're they're allegedly on good terms. They both seem to have a good sense of humor about it. They're like, we are speaking again and, like, maybe we'll see each other again. No, Melinda, run. I know. Run as far away as you can. Yeah. I understand he's hot. I get it. He's a very, he's. There's other hot people in this world. He lives in yes. New York City. There she are other, other hot choices like, now. Mm-hmm. Honey, you're in Brooklyn. I live in Brooklyn. I can tell you there are hot men walking down Same. the street. Same. I see hot here. men in my They're neighborhood everywhere. all the time. They're much more likely to want to sleep with Mel than with me. So I think she's going to be like good. <laughs> <laughs> we, ta- we check in with Carly, Chase, and uh, Joey and Tabitha. It seems like they're all on good terms now, especially Carly Chase and Joey. Joey and Carly have sort of casually dated on and off. Chase is buddies with them. They were all together for New Year's Eve in the heart of the pandemic. Yeah, I was like, wow, Claire, this is so cute that they're friends. (laughs) And she was like, that was the, I was like, oh my God, I have. That was January. Why were they traveling? Then I was very disturbed, Uh, but I'm happy that they, none of them hate each other. And I did see on Instagram that Carly is going to visit Joey in, like, a couple days. And they've been, like, posting cute things on each other's photos. Chase sent Tabitha a love package I of mean, chocolates and buddy. a love letter. He was like, I, I shot Let my shot go. once. I'll do it again. And Tabitha was like, we're still, no. We're yeah, still not still dating. No. Still a no for me. Robert and Christina are still together. They're, like, very together. I think they're also the oldest of of the cast. Like, I think mm-hmm, she's yeah. 30. And she posted a few things on Instagram, one with the caption, 20 seconds turned into six months with you, which I was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> I feel like they use this show in, in maybe the healthiest possible way is just to go in, find another really hot person in their eyes that super loves sex and wants to have sex like eight to 10 times a day. Why not? Like, I think that's enough for a relationship and it seems to be working for them. So I'm like, bravo, you know? 
Yeah. And she actually used the word love in the reunion. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. They're in love. I mean, I'm so happy for them. They look and they're both like very model-esque. I mean, I could just stare at their Instagram pages forever. It's it's very steamy. I'm I'm just getting too hot thinking about it. (laughs) Cam and Emily are not only still together, they have moved in together. Sorry uh, to all who wanted them to be free-swinging players, but they're basically going to get married and have babies now. They said if if they have a daughter that they will be naming her Lana. Which I'm sure the the cone is very happy about. Very touching. I think that that brings us mostly up to speed. We we did hear from Nathan and Larissa and L, and nothing super meaty there. Larissa has her new boyfriend, and they're all just kind of like whatever, moving on with our lives. We're going to take one more quick break, but when we're back, Emma, Claire, and I give our final thoughts on Too Hot to Handle Season 2. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. There is a corner of Los Angeles where dreams are brought to life. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. Rated by! of the world! Where legends are made. Oh, it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories. Tales of heroism, villainy, betrayal, passion, tragedy, and triumph that, when sewn together, form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood, available now wherever you get podcasts. We're back with this bonus episode of Movie Therapy featuring me on the podcast. Love to see it. So yeah, let's let's get into final wrap-up thoughts about this season. Should Lana just leave these poor people alone? What is this all for? Should it exist? Are we trying to take away these these poor innocent singles natural thrill for the hunt? Or is this like a public service that the show is doing to give them therapy and boundaries that they need? in order to mature and have a deeper uh, a deeper experience of love. You know, I have to say that episode one, season one of the show, I thought, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then as, as I've really processed the show, as I've committed to the process, as they say, I've come to see this as possibly one of the most genius shows ever made, and I wish that I were somehow involved in it in some way. I just imagine the boardroom where they're sitting there saying, no, not six beds, five beds. No, not clothes. Smaller bikinis. No, smaller bikinis. No, smaller bikinis. No touching. 
Can None. we talk about, do people actually sleep in thongs that much? It seems unhealthy. I think that's probably why, why they're constantly just, like, taking off all their clothes in bed. It's much more comfortable to sleep naked than, like, with a thong, like, up your ass. I mean, I also wonder, how would the show be different, though? And I already said this before, if they just went further with it. I think it could be <laughs> a great deal of fun if Lana just took it further. Make it more like a cult. Make the rules crazier. You have to be naked all the time. You have to massage each other for minimum one hour a day. I don't know. So we should be doing like things that take it to the next level. Endurance lust test. Not just like you're going to be in the suite all night with your partner, but like you're going to be like strapped nude to a table and every hot person in the villa is going to come give you a a sensuous rub down of a different part of your body. Um, yes. I don't know if that is something that Netflix could legally <laughs> purvey or, you know, it's like, where's the boundary? Like, when does this stop being a reality show and start being something that you might find on a different corner of the internet? I don't know. Maybe they could have gone further. I think they definitely could. I think they need to hire you. Also, I just want to note in season four, should I be involved? Producers, feel free to reach out to me, uh, Kristen at KristenMinzer.com. But uh, I would also really like one challenge where they have to see each other in their regular street clothes because I saw a picture of Cam in his street clothes and I'm like, gross. Cam, look at you in this warm-up suit with those really stupid-looking sneakers. You're dressed like a granddad who's about to go mall walking and not in a cute way. I don't know. I just feel like that would be an interesting challenge to see like – you know, now you have to see what this person is like when yeah. they're not here. Put more put more clothing on, in fact, and see how unsexy this person becomes when you yes, can't see their rippling you. abs. Yeah, it's like, oh, you wear Ed Hardy shirts every day? Oh, okay, maybe <laughs> maybe we don't need to do this anymore. More sex, know. more sex, but also more clothing is is the diagnosis of what this <laughs> that's the prescription. Well, they're just like stripping it all back way back to like what the dynamic would have been millennia ago, which is like we're all just animals who are naked and we need food and protection. And yeah, sometimes we get urges and we have sex, I guess, but like it's not like erotic, you know, there's no like frisson to it, you know, and then we add all these layers of civilization and like boundaries and and roles and clothes and rules. And those are like, I feel like those are the things that create like eroticism. And I almost feel like this show is just like, what if we took the least erotic scenario where everyone's just super available and super shiny and waxed and ready? And we added that boundary, that like civilizational boundary of like, uh, 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 but you mustn't. And that is where, like, the excitement comes from. And yeah, it gives I think the that's show, like, accurate. the barest glimmer of, of thrill for, for the viewer. Um, and, for, and for all of them, I do think that it, it provides for all of them a, a new kind of heightened sexual excitement. I feel so gross all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm just talking about these poor strangers. Did you ever think you'd be discussing, like... <laughs> 24-year-old British horn dogs <laughs> and their sexual excitement levels. No, that's not what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I'm happy Sorry, for Claire. Them, Here we are. Or sorry okay. that happened. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. I think we've got to wrap up. This has been so fun. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your thoughts on how to improve this franchise. I hope that Netflix is listening. I hope you get a call soon. Uh, Where can people and, you know, potentially Netflix, if they know what they're doing, where can they find you? Wow. You can go to kristenmeinzer.com where you can learn about all my podcasts and my books, or you can follow me on Twitter at Kristen Meinzer. And since we're talking about Too Hot to Handle, I guess I have to mention my Instagram also. I'm at K10Meinzer. That's K10Meinzer. Thank you so much. And that's it for this episode of Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Love to See It is produced by us, Emma Gray and Claire Fallon, and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Harry Huggins. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv, and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. And if you like the show, please, please, please give us a rating. Five stars. Leave us a review. Help other people find our show. And if you want to get in touch, especially if you have ideas for future bonus episodes, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter at love to see it pod and Instagram at claireandemmapod. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at emmaladyrose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week. Talk to you soon. Can you